Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. One of the most legendary college football coach meltdowns came back in 2007 when Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy took exception to a story in the Oklahoma City newspaper. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! On the receiving end of Gundy's I'm a man, I'm 40 tirade was Jenny Carlson, one of the kindest, most professional people in the sports writing world. Carlson had the gall to write about a star quarterback recruit being benched in favor of another quarterback, and Gundy attempted to bizarrely spin it into a personal attack on the player. Looking back on the video brings some new context, because although Gundy isn't sporting his now signature mullet, his delivery sounds an awful lot like Joe Exotic from the Netflix documentary Tiger King. Many years later, Jenny is a columnist for the Oklahoman, and Mike Exotic still coaches the Cowboys. Jenny Carlson was a young sports writer who took a job in OKC, and more than 20 years later, she's still there, where she is highly respected by all of us. But maybe the dirtiest little secret about Carlson now that she calls Oklahoma home is she's a native Kansan. You're welcome, Okies. We sent you a really good one. When the Oklahoma Sooners visited Kansas State this season, where they lost to the Wildcats, by the way, Carlson was the first friend to greet me with one of her signature hugs. It was great to see her, and it's going to be amazing catching up with how things are going in the land now known as the home of the Tiger King. Let's give her a call. Sitting on my front porch, nice. enjoying enjoying some sunshine, some breeze, a few uh, birds chirping. So, can't complain right now, my friend. Are you yelling at the neighbors to stay the hell away from me? <laughs> Don't get too close. <laughs> get off my lawn! You know, my lawn actually looks fantastic. I usually don't. I usually don't talk about such things, but I actually am the uh, the uh, the lawn person at my house. So I have been able to mow and keep that thing looking pretty darn good. I'm very happy with it right now, frankly. Congratulations! It's thank you. It's going to be a beautiful day in Kansas too. Oh, there you go. Hey, I mean, it, it, right now we, we take any small victories, right? I, I know. I'm dealing with a tremendous loss this morning. Uh, oh, no. uh, yeah. Um, I just found out the Michael Buble concert that I was scheduled to go to has been postponed. Oh no! I, I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> I think I think you need to play some Michael Bublé songs that are sort of sad and make yourself, uh, you know, a little let yourself be sad for a minute about that. I know. You know, this really hits home. When, <laughs> when I can't see Michael Bublé, I'm. I'm, I'm You're uh, less bubbly. Yes, yes, and you know it. It probably only takes Michael Bublé to get me to go to Des Moines. Uh, which is a fine city, but uh, points A and B and in between are not a great drive when you're in Manhattan, Kansas. No, it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a long haul between point A and point B. I, I get that. I understand. But the child in me gets to stop at a come and go, and I get a giggle every time. So that's always fun. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Suddenly you're in fourth grade again. Yeah, I always am. I always am. <laughs> so what is filling your time nowadays? Well, you know, obviously, uh, those of us in the sports world are finding a bit of an alternate reality all of a sudden with uh, without the sports around. So it, it is a little bit odd. Um, obviously, you know, I have a seven-year-old who is now doing school at home, so that is part of the, the time. But as it relates to sports, you know, a lot of, um, uh, for, for at least the time being, we're still sort of catching up with, you know, people that I think are, are like most of us finding, you know, their sports world cut, you know, instantaneously almost and, you know, how that's changed the here and now, how it's changed the future. Um, so trying to tell some of those stories, obviously there's, there's so many impacts. It's, you know, it's mental, it's physical, it's financial. Um, so lots of, lots of different sort of, um, routes to follow from this tree, if you will. But, uh, I also think, you know, trying to, trying to find some, some good stories out there of, you know, people that are maybe trying to show us a little bit of the way of how to handle this whole thing. So trying to balance and, and then trying to just find, you know, some, some fun stuff. I think the sports pages are, you know, obviously it's, there's, there's seriousness uh, and we have to be serious about that stuff. But um, you know, we've, we've done some rewind on some past history things. We um, developed a, a movie bracket, you know, obviously everybody misses filling out brackets and uh, those sorts of things with no March Madness. So we decided we'd uh, we'd use sports movies and do a bracket with that. So we didn't have a March without any brackets. And so we've tried to find some fun stuff to do too. And that sort of stuff is is always is always fun because you know it, it gives us a chance to sort of step away from the the unknowns and all of the um, sort of scary nature of, of these days, if you will, the uncertainty of these days, and, and just do something that sort of makes us all laugh. The sports movie bracket. Let me ask you, did you do 64? <laughs> we did. We did 64. Was Top Gun on there? I don't think we included that. Would you include it because of volleyball? It is the greatest beach volleyball movie ever made. <laughs> it was the best advertisement for beach volleyball because when I played beach volleyball back in the day, which ironically was like when Top Gun was out, uh, I th I thought I looked like that. I didn't, yeah. but that's what I thought I looked like. <laughs> Mostly I was stuck in the sand, unable to move, but... Uh, you it, thought otherwise. Yes. I, in my head, it seemed totally different, and it is a fine beach volleyball movie with the backdrop of fighter pilots. It's people got that yeah. movie all backwards that it's about fighter pilots. It's about beach volleyball with right. fighter pilots in it. Right. Well, and you know, you say greatest ever. I'm trying to think of another one, period. So I think I think you might be right that it is because I'm not sure there's another one that would really even compete. I mean, I feel like it's at the top of its game right See, there. I, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. If you're number one, you're number one. Like, I am right. the most accomplished podcaster in my home office right now. Exactly. So, exactly. The, the asterisk doesn't need to be read. I'm just the most accomplished. <laughs> No, no, we don't need to talk about we don't need to talk about scale or any size or anything like that. No, that, that, that we are where we are. Tell me about the journey that took you to Oklahoma City. Because how long have you been there now? You've been there a long time. Yeah, it'll be twenty-one years later wow. this year. Yeah, I know. I mean, I guess that's that's the hope, anyway. Unless <laughs> uh, unless unless forces uh, derail that. But uh, moving towards twenty-one years with uh, with certain speed. Um, yeah. So I uh, I actually grew up uh, in Clay Center, which for a lot of people that are K-Staters, they'll they'll know where that is. Um, my mom is actually a K-State grad, and uh, so I very much uh, know that area and uh, ended up going to University of Kansas, which I know K-State people know too. Sorry, guys. But um, I, I, I really uh, loved the journalism school there and, and wanted, to, uh, wanted to get into that scene, and that's actually what I ended up doing, which, you know, usually when you go to college, you change your major 17 times, and I actually stuck the course. I, I, I was right when I decided that, that journalism and sports writing in particular was what I wanted to do. So after I went to, to school, I hooked on with the Kansas City Star for a few years and then uh, got hired down here and have been here ever since. I, you know, I was fairly 
early on in my career. And I think like a lot of people, when you're first starting out, um, you tend to think you're going to move around a lot. And, um, I did, I felt like, you know, this was going to be, I mean, I didn't think I'd be here 21 years, that's for sure. But, you know, I, uh, I really quickly sort of found a groove here. I, um, I loved the scene as far as the colleges at that point. Um, OU was hitting a resurgence with Bob Stoops. I got to cover a national championship team my second year here. OSU basketball, Cowboys were doing great things with Eddie Sutton, John Lucas, that whole bunch. So got to cover Final Four with them. OU women's basketball program was was in its heyday and, and was for several years as they went to Final Fours. And um, so I really, you know, kind of hit a golden era for, for sports here. And uh, and then we became a, a, a major league city with, uh, you know, when Hurricane Katrina drove the Hornets here for a couple years. Um, then we had that off year with no NBA and then the thunder arrived. So um, it, the landscape kind of changed. I, I don't feel like I am covering the same sports scene that I, I arrived into. So that's been kind of unique that, that so much could change. And I didn't actually leave Oklahoma City. But um, when I got here, um, I thought this would just be a great opportunity to cover high-level college sports. And that still is the case. But um, with the Thunder's arrival, it has definitely changed how we operate, what our calendar looks like, um, all those sorts of things. And um, I get a kick out of it. I, I've, I've really loved um, all the different iterations of our sports scene and um, I'm hoping to stick around if they'll keep me a while longer. <laughs> well, you never know with the Rona on the loose. We, I know. We could all end up covering health issues, which is not our strong point. No, definitely not. I had forgotten you were in Kansas City. Did you work with my brother, Mike? I did. Wow. I didn't know that. I did, yeah. He was... Uh... Well, let's see. I'm trying to think. I think he was the high school's yeah, editor. Yeah, no, yeah. is that right? Yeah, he was for quite a while. Yeah, so I would have. Yeah, I would have worked. I don't think he was my direct. Well, maybe for a little while I was my direct supervisor, and then I I had a high school sports gig for a little bit that then changed to a different high school sports gig, and so I think my over my uh, my overlord changed. But uh, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, actually, I absolutely know Mike that for was sure. Back in the day when they had a full crew of high school people, and I think he was oh, actually man. in charge of a bureau back then. My, yep. how times have changed. You're lucky to yeah. have sports writers, let alone high school sports writers in our current environment. Yeah, that was a, that was a really great situation because they had, I think probably eight might be the number that's sort of close to how many high school people they had at that time, maybe a little bit more. Um, and they really tried to use at least half of those jobs to bring in young people uh, just out of college sort of thing, um, give them their first opportunity to write and learn and all that sort of stuff. And we had um, several people that then went out and, and, you know, got jobs at other places doing other things. Um, I, in the time I was there, um, Kevin Gorman, who was a columnist in Pittsburgh uh, for quite a few years, he was in that group. Uh, a guy named Om Yumnazak, who's with ESPN, was in that group, and he still is with ESPN. Um, you know, we just we had a we had a lot of people that were really really good, and we did some good stuff, some fun stuff, and. So yeah, that was a that was definitely a highlight. Um, you know, getting to work with with people that had great ideas and great energy, and I still work with people with great ideas and great energy. But um, when you're young and other people are young, and you you know you work and work and work, and you turn out great stuff, I think there's a I think that's just a an experience that kind of stands out. You you don't really forget that. We're just in the middle. You you go from in this business of covering sports, you go from young idealist with lots of energy <laughs> and the the eventual destination is that person that sits in the newsroom and looks like uh their dog just died that's <laughs> that's where we're all traveling to that uh, that defeated broken person that has done this so often <laughs> so many times they're just done with it uh and we're all on that road and i'm trying to get there uh slowly 
But slowly, some exactly. Days, some days I'm like, oh, I got to go cover a college football game, and then I'm yeah. like, what am I saying? <laughs> exactly. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's weird. We were we were having as all people have now a, a teleconference the other day with our staff, and I don't remember what why it came up, but we were talking about the year 2000. We had uh, Oklahoma's softball team won a championship that spring, and then that football season was the was the OU football season that was a national championship year myself and one of our other riders were like oh yeah yeah we were there da, 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 da. that was back when we were the young ones on staff and now it's now we're like <laughs> we're the ones that are like the young riders are saying okay now you know do you have a number for so-and-so and what do you think about this lead and can you read this story and I mean I love that I, I love that it, it's I you know I get a chance to to do some of that stuff but it's just it's weird how it happens because you don't really see it coming and then all of a sudden you're like experienced and you know you know you know people you've got the contacts you're not asking everybody else for contacts so it happens unexpectedly but um yeah i guess i guess 20 years is a long time when you think about it (laughs) i'm so old that that person in my young days would have been smoking with a flask (laughs) in the desk in the corner of the newsroom you know, just like, just this cloud of smoke. Let's go over there and see him. And you're kind of scared of him because right. uh, he might, he's like a, a bear and you might stir him up at the wrong time. Yeah. Tapping um, away on one of those, uh, what were they? T, what, what was it called? The T60? T. Oh my God. I, you remember those? Yes. Yes. I, I always freak the young journalists out when I talk about uh, cut and pasting with a wax machine. They're like, what? <laughs> Did you have? Did you have to put the letters in place? I'm like, I'm not that old, you know. You know I didn't have little letters. I, I do understand a wax machine and, and pasting everything up. It, time's yeah. gone by. Uh, in some ways, a better time, and sometimes a worse time. Do you, you speak of 21 years at Oklahoma City. Do you celebrate anniversaries for the Mike Gundy meltdown? I'm I'm 40. Uh, Still one of the greatest sports moments. You you guys at Oklahoma City have had some great sports moments. I mean, you had Russell Westbrook won. Uh, It's kind of amazing. But take me back to that time. How bizarre was that whole thing? Very. I mean, extremely bizarre. And yeah, we've, we've had some, we've had some weird, it, you know, it, it sort of makes you think like it, there's, this is kind of like a, a rough and tumble group. Like we're really holding people's feet to the fire, like Westbrook jumping down people's throat. It's like, I don't really think we're a bunch of meanies. Like we're, you know, this isn't New, this isn't New York. This isn't the Philadelphia Inquirer for God's sakes. No, 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 I don't think so. I mean, I, last I checked anyway, but yeah, it's, so that, I think it's been, I think we're past, it's, it's at least been 10 years and it may have been 11 already since that whole situation. Yeah, that was, that was really strange. I mean, obviously Oklahoma State, um, that was, that was really kind of where they started to hit the accelerator into K-State people know, you know, there's where you sort of start to talk about the the shift in the in the football program. And there, I'm sure there are moments that for K-Staters games and times where you can point to that, you know, under the Snyder regime that that happened. And I think that that was really a time when. OSU was starting to see its shift. You know, they that was actually a game that they they beat Texas Tech, which in those days that was the Mike Leach Texas Tech era. And, you know, that was that was that was a battle between those two programs, sort of trying to figure out who was gonna ascend in the Big Twelve pecking order because you still had Oklahoma, you still had Texas, um, you still had those teams at the top, and who was gonna kinda try to bump up there and mess up that that hierarchy. And OSU just could not be Texas Tech. I mean, they they didn't have the offense to keep up with what Leach was doing. They didn't have the defense to slow him down enough. Happened that that day uh, in Stillwater, they 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 beat Texas Tech, and um, I think Leach ended up like firing his defensive coordinator the next day. I mean, it was like. Oh, that's right. you know, yeah, it was kind of a big deal, and um, it's funny. One of our one of our writers. Um, we uh, we sent, I think for some reason that was like, uh, I can't remember what the circumstances were, but I think we had like extra people there that day. Um, I, I, maybe OU had played 
um, uh, I, I was off that week or something. I don't remember exactly what happened. But for whatever reason, we had extra people there. And we ended up sending John Helsley, who um, people in the Big 12 footprint may may know John. He covered OSU for a lot of years for us. And um, he actually went to the Texas Tech postgame area. And he tells the story now that he, he uh, leached just – Leach was in prime form. He was mad. He was, you know, dropping curse words. And John, yeah, he, he, he's said since then that like he was standing there listening to Leach going, this is, this is crazy. People are going to be talking about all this stuff that Leach is saying. Little did he know, like 50 feet away in the OSU interview room. Uh, yeah, we were having the, uh, you know, one of the, one of the prime meltdowns of all time by, by a coach. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think surreal is, is, is a word that I've used and I continue to use with it because that was such a big win for OSU. And they had actually, they were coming off, uh, they had gone to, I think it was Troy for a uh, non-conference game the week or two before and had lost. It was uh, like a Friday or Thursday game and primetime game and they'd lost and people were mad in the, within the, you know, the fan base, they really felt like it was an opportunity squandered. They didn't like the way the team looked and um, all these things. And then to come out and get that win against tech, it was such a big win for the program. I think that that, for those of us who were sitting there, taking in what, what was happening, that was as much a part of the shock as anything that, you know, here they had just won this big game. They'd actually gotten an interception at the end to seal the deal, which, you know, in those days, defense at OSU was a, you know, it was a passing fancy. You might have it, you might not. Um, but they got a, they got the stop they needed on defense. And so then to find ourselves in that situation um, and the game was not at all what was being talked about. It, I, I think that that too was part of the, the shock. I mean, I, I just think that um, that was not what we were expecting to see in those moments after that game. So yeah, it was it, bizarre. It was bizarre for sure. And um, you know, like you said, we've, we've had some bizarre moments as it relates to those type of things, but that probably rises to the top um, as far as around here for us. It's still awesome. It's still awesome. And I, I love that you just stood there like, okay, get this over with. Just get it out of your damn system because we've all been through it. Maybe not that dramatically or that uh, visibly yeah, on a national stage, but we've all been through it with a coach. And that is one of the things you gain is some perspective as you get older in this profession and you're on the receiving end of something from a coach and you're like, just, just do whatever you're doing. I don't know if you're really mad at me or if you're trying to motivate your team or you're trying right. to send a message to the fans. Just, just do whatever your agenda serves you right now and let's move on. Uh, and, you know, my general experience when I would get on the, the sharp end of it from – Bill Snyder or Frank Martin would be, uh, it was, it was over after that, you know, they would just were like, okay, well I did that, you know, and, and then the yeah. next day you were fine. Yeah. I think that, uh, as it relates to covering OSU, I was, I mean, I was right back up there on Monday or whatever day we had, you know, our weekly press conference and everything. So, I mean, I, it wasn't like that they were trying to, you know, shut down my access. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't have any problems with access to players, assistants, coordinators, anything like that. So, yeah. And, and I think you're right, Tim. I think the motivation side of it, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure what it was exactly. I mean, um, what the start or the spark, I guess, for the whole thing related back to them changing quarterbacks and they had basically benched um, the best recruit they'd ever gotten. The most high-profile recruit they'd ever gotten, put it that way. Um, and so benched him, and I think a part of it, I, again, I don't know, I, you know, to, to get into the psyche of these things is, you know, a little bit tricky, but I think part of it at least was trying to send a message to you know, those recruiting grounds where they had gone in and got this guy and, and now they'd benched him for a guy that wasn't nearly as high profile, by the way, ended up being the exact right thing to do because Zach Robinson was 
was great. He yeah. was great that year and, and, and in the future for them. So it ended up being, you know, a, a good decision, but I think a part of it for sure was sort of that message to recruits or that message to high school coaches, whatever, you know, whatever the, the intended audience was, but I think that was part of it. Um, but it's, but it's too bad because I know that Bobby Reed, the, the quarterback who got benched has, has said that, you know, that really in a lot of ways affected him more than probably anyone else. And that, that's too bad. That wasn't, I mean, the intent wasn't to try to hurt this guy. I mean, he had, he just wasn't playing as well as they thought Zach Robinson was. And so it wasn't, that he was a bad person and, 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 or anything like that. And I think that the fact that what happened that day um, affected him adversely, I think that is probably the thing that is most disappointing. I'm not sure that the, what I wrote in and of itself hurt him, but the response to the whole thing um, and just how he became front and center and all of that, um, you know, suddenly it went from OSU people knowing that he had been, benched to the entire world knowing that he'd been benched um you know that's um that's that's something that's unfortunate that that came out of that whole thing zach robinson a one-time kansas state commitment that switched oklahoma state (laughs) yeah he was good he he was was. good he was and if i recall the story correctly his mother went to college went to oklahoma state with mike gundy so that was something Kansas State was not going to overcome in the recruiting process. I think she was a cheerleader. Well, of course uh, she was. So, yeah, but he, you know what? He was actually, when you think about that era of K-State football, he would have fit right in with some of those quarterbacks from that time. Yeah. Like he had that, he had that running ability, had that toughness. Yep. Um, he would have been, a, he would have been a good fit in Manhattan. Sorry, K-State yep. fan. Yep. I, I know how that works. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! I'm going to share a story about Mike Gundy right now that I have only shared with a few friends, and now I'm going to do it on a damn podcast, which (laughs) kind of says a lot about me, how I'm kind of an open book these days. So I'm covering the Big 12 Media Days when they were at the Ford Center in Frisco, which Mm -hmm. I thought was a great setup. I I love that setup at the the Cowboys practice facility. I thought it was ideal. That This was the year before the hotel opened, though, so it was even better once that hotel opened. Anyhow. I am uh, in the men's restroom, uh, restrooming, and up walks, uh, and he doesn't doesn't do the personal space thing where he goes to the, the urinal one away from me. He goes walks in right next to me, and it's Mike Gundy, and uh, I'm I'm sitting there, and I go, hey coach, you know that awkward, no, you don't know, uh, urinal conversation, and um, but then I'm filled with this this feeling like this, I, I have to do this. I wanted to pet his mullet so badly. I, I was just filled with this desire just to reach out and kind of awkwardly stroke the mullet. It was right there. It was two feet from me. Uh, yeah. And I wish that was a made-up story, but it's not. I just – I was like, it's fantastic. That thing is it – is, It inspires you, doesn't it? Uh, people are like, he needs to cut the mullet. I'm like, no, that is him. That's just yeah. him. It's weird to go look at pictures of him without it now. And it wasn't that long ago that he didn't have it, but it seems like a million years ago. You like you go and look at those older pictures of him with no mullet. It's like, uh, I don't know that guy. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of mullets, I got to do it. Um, Your thoughts on the Tiger King? (laughs) Well, 
you know, it's interesting because obviously he's he's an Oklahoman. Um, so one of us, yes. Uh, and uh, it's weird because, you know, so much of his story at the Oklahoman, we covered just like it's, we covered it. Like it wasn't, I mean, now you put it all together and it's, it's, it's the craziness that you see on the series. But at the time it's, you know, this guy with court cases and, you know, obviously the trial murder for hire thing was, was crazy, but we covered it as news because it was, but now when you see it all tiled up, it's just, I mean, it just adds, I mean, we knew it was crazy, but it knew he was crazy to a degree, but just to see it all is yeah, it's it's weird. He's weird. It's the whole thing's weird. It is bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah. And, um, I'm looking at a map today because I'm like, I don't actually know where Winniewood is. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I assumed it was right off of 35, but it's not even that. It's a little bit off of it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I've never been. Somebody asked me the other day, "Have you have you ever been?" I've never been to the the whatever the zoo, um, and I I don't. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be going anytime soon. I'm I'm fairly certain that will uh, not be a destination that um, that the Carlson clan will be heading towards anytime soon. I was fascinated with it because first of all, I knew there was a culture of big cat collectors. I didn't realize how. Yeah, how nationwide it is. There's a character a lot like this in every state, basically. Yeah, yeah, and I I think the whole idea that like um, uh, I remember like the the Zanesville thing, like I remember that happening. But you know, it's sort of uh, when you start to hear how many people have these 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 cats, um, it's a little bit scary. It makes you think, like, um, yeah, um, what 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 do my neighbor have? I mean, I I think I think all my neighbors just have dogs, like. You know, I see and hear them, but, you know, you kind of begin to wonder, like, okay, where's the big cat person in my neck of the woods? Like, <laughs> what house do I need to be worried about here? I, I've got a neighbor with some chickens. If they get out, <laughs> I fear for my life. <laughs> they might be killer chickens. There's actually a duck in our neighborhood. I think. Nice. I think it's a duck. It's it's not like a mallard duck, but it's a it's it's some sort of fowl. And as near as I can tell, it. I mean, I, I I assume it belongs to somebody, but I see it at different places. So I I guess it's a free range pet. <laughs> I'm not quite sure, but yes, uh, yeah, uh, we do have some chickens also. I hear them every once in a while uh, around, but um, yeah, that duck is a little, it's fairly big. Like it's never acted like it wanted to charge at me or whatever ducks do when they attack, but um, I kind of take a wide berth if I see that thing. Ducks can be mean. That's not good. Totally, totally. I got attacked once by a, by a Canada goose, Canadian geese. Uh, got a little too close, I guess, to the babies. That thing scared me. Like it came at me. I See, was. That's my favorite Ron White bit is about how the real immigration problem is these damn Canadian geese coming across the northern border, <laughs> and we need to build a giant net because the Canadian I... geese come into America and just crap all over everything. They, you know what? I that was one of the more like fearful animal encounters I've ever had. It just like <laughs> it was it was fine. It was fine. It wasn't doing anything. And then all of a sudden, here it came and those wings. And I was like, oh my god, that was scary. Yeah, those those geese, those Canadians, yeah. they get riled up. Um, <laughs> they act all nice. They say, "Hey, you think they're all cool?" And then all of a sudden, they're geese coming at you. Welcome to Canada. I'm attacking you. My final thought on this is I don't want to keep talking about the Tiger King, but I'm an animal person, 100%. But I've never, like, seen a sign, come pet a baby tiger, and like, oh, I got to do that. <laughs> I didn't know these. There's so many people that were so compelled to have baby tiger pictures and pet them. And, and like, there was actually a class of people in the country where, yeah, I get paid $100 a week, but I get to play with tigers. I'm like, no, pay me what I need to be paid to live. I That doesn't yeah. – Playing with tigers and being around them doesn't substitute my need for shelter and food. I, yeah. It's, it, the whole thing was so bizarre. And even the tamest thing in there, it was bizarre. And even the thing that you thought was the most bizarre probably wasn't. This whole culture <laughs> of people from customer to owner is just a whole segment of the nation. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just but, when you thought it couldn't get any weirder, it did. 
It was at the perfect time, though. I mean, if you're looking to drop your documentary on Netflix, start of pandemic is a good time to drop that bizarre documentary. Totally. I, you know, uh, as, as is documented uh, in the documentary, uh, Joe, uh, well, he ran for president, but he also ran for governor in Oklahoma. Did he get third? Um, no. See, now oh. that's a... That's a uh, that that's a bit of a misnomer. He, I think, the percentage that they said in the um, in the documentary was actually just the votes he got among the libertarian candidates. So yeah, I don't even think he made. I don't even think he made the actual ballot. Um, yeah, so little bit little bit misleading. We we are crazy in Oklahoma, but not to the cr- level of crazy that that vote total made things out to look. Just FYI. As a libertarian, if that guy can't win your nomination for governor, who 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 are we going to have lead us? Yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah no it, it was uh, it was a little bit of a bizarre situation, but but I will say that it, I think he has gotten more. I don't know if airtime is the proper word, but it's interesting the interplay between the attention he's gotten as a guy who didn't win the governorship and our actual governor. Um, So, yeah, so interesting. Uh, It will be interesting to see how history looks back on this time and how Oklahomans saw the actual governor and the guy who didn't get to be governor. Uh, I'm going to finish with this, but my favorite moment is when the employee gets attacked and he all of a sudden has an EMT jacket on. Yeah. Where the hell did that come from? You just had that in the closet? Hold on. I'll be right with you. I got to get my EMT coat. Right. I know. Like, did did he grab it knowing that he needed it? Or did it just, like, magically appear? You know, uh, costumes. Here here they come. I know. Uh, I love it. Yeah. That was crazy. Let's shift gears now. Uh, I am struck by, um, and I'm no expert in this field, but. You are one of the few female sports columnists at a daily newspaper in the country, aren't you? Do you do you have like a list of the other people in this small but uh, well-deserved club? It's it is a small club. I don't have a list. Um, I you know I know there are. Eh, there's probably, you know, in the, in the 10 to 12 range, if I had to guess, but, um, yeah, it's not, it's not exactly a big group and it hasn't been growing a ton either. It, you know, this is, I, you know, uh, Tim, I don't have to tell you anything. This is an interesting time for media because we've seen, you know, such a, a, an explosion of online. I mean, you guys were doing online probably before a lot of other people even thought much about it, but obviously with, you know, all the online options that, are out there it's i think that a lot of the women that you might see sort of getting to a point where maybe they would be given an opportunity to to write a column or whatever a lot of them have moved into digital and um and online so i think that's affected some things when it comes to growing those numbers but i think you're continuing to see more women in the business um you know I, i i definitely think that the overall growth is there but you're you're not seeing Maybe to that extent, and I think I think part of it too is you know it, it, this is a time when we're seeing newspapers staffs have, have shrunk to a degree, some dramatically shrunk, and so you know there may be hesitancy in some markets by some sports editors to say, do I want to turn somebody into a columnist if I have an opening? Do I do something different with it? So I think there are several things at play. I still think having columnist is a a big part of of newspapering i think we need to have those voices that you know not only are reporting the news but then voices that are you know trying to explain and disseminate what does this mean you know what could this mean um those sorts of things so uh, you know i think it's important but i i do know that as different sports departments are faced with different challenges that may be one of those areas that you know some of them say you know we just we just don't have the resources right now to to, to add or to, you know, rehire for a position, those sorts of things. So I do feel good about the growth of, of, of women in sports media. Um, but I think that's an area where there may be several factors at work that don't have anything to do with, you know, whether there are, are women out there who are qualified to do, to do the job. Well, unfortunately, uh, the daily newspaper, uh, is moving into the daily or the hourly website. I mean, oh yeah, it's, uh, uh, honestly, we're not far away from print being dead, and the newspaper will function online. And you know, yeah. maybe print will be 
a weekly magazine type thing, which is, I think, the next step. But um, being a columnist is a good position to be in in these times because the biggest change in the market now uh, for me is because of there being so much information out there, people don't need to know the score of the game. They don't need to know how the Thunder won. They want to know the other stuff, and that's where a columnist steps in. That's where a really good beat writer steps in and gets away from the game story and gets into yeah. the, the making you feel like you, you were there in the post game. That's really funny because that's what we've been doing at um, online entities for a long time. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we did do the game story, but made people feel like an insider, and that's been the uh, the shtick maybe of, yeah. of this industry. And I remember when I made this change – uh, to uh, go into a fan magazine first in 95, all my contemporaries thought I was nuts. And then I ended up starting my own thing in 98 and kind of more from a magazine, the website to a website with a magazine, now just a website. I didn't know I was on the cutting edge, but now mm-hmm. I look at what newspapers are doing and I'm like, this is what we've been doing for a long yeah. time. And now yeah. our industry is like, okay, what, what do we do to get ahead of this because everyone's kind of doing it. So it's, it's, it's an interesting time as we try to figure out what the people want. Mm-hmm. And most importantly for all of us in this industry, because we're trying to uh, feed our dogs, in your case, a child, and make a living doing this, what will people pay for? Right, right. And that, yeah. that's the challenge is people don't right. want to pay for anything anymore. They just want want right. whatever's free on the Internet. And that, that gets very difficult for all of us trying to actually yeah. perpetuate a business. Well, and I think that brings up, you bring up a great, a couple things that, you know, I, we have in, in a lot of ways um, moved away from, you know, that straight game story. That's just, it doesn't really have a place for us anymore. Um, even our instant stuff after games online on our website, you know, we've gone towards more of a, a you know, five things to know sort of instant analysis type of things that will tell you what happened in the game that, led to the outcome, but ultimately it's our beat writers saying, you know, here are these different things that, um, that you need to know as a fan of this team, this is, this is what happened tonight, this afternoon, whatever. So, yeah, so our, even our instant stuff has moved away from uh, a strict game, you know, uh, so-and-so beat so-and-so. Um, it is more analysis. It is more insight. And I think that, um, I, I just think that there's, there's so many ways to get the, the nuts and bolts of any game anymore you're foolish if you think that's how you're going to keep readers so we've we've moved away from that even in our high school coverage we've you know where less people will see the game but we feel like there's ways to tell stories even of our high school coverage that are more um, more impactful and will potentially draw more people to the paper, to the website, uh, whatever. As it relates to um, the print product, we still feel like there's, and, and I think newspapers that still have a print product see revenue there. And obviously we're, you know, everybody's got to make money. You said it before, Tim, you're exactly right. But I do think that there's going to come a time when we go all digital. And frankly, from the standpoint of um, deadlines and sports as it relates to deadlines, the move to digital is something I'm not I'm not opposed to. I mean, there was a time when I think we thought, well, that's that's where we see the end. And now I think that, you know, there's there's a obviously we still have to figure out, you know, how do we make the money? How do we recoup the difference in, in, you know, the dollars out there? And that's still not exactly that path isn't, isn't totally clear, but I think that the idea that we would be all digital because of, you know, sports sort of never ending deadline. You always seem to have sports going on anymore. Um, the idea that we wouldn't have to be, everything has to be done at the buzzer. I think that that's a really nice thought that someday we would, we would get to that point where, um, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about, um, you know, the game starting at eight or the game starting at right. eight thirty or whatever, or having a long halftime or 70 other 
other things that happen anytime you have a late game and you're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, we're never going to get this in. Um, you don't, you don't worry about that anymore. It's a whole different dynamic. So when that day comes, I don't know, it might be six months. It might be six years, might be a lot longer than that. But I think as far as, as my feeling has changed to a degree, uh, I really see that differently than I used to, because I think that there are people that understand that, um, the digital, the news value, the content, you know, it does cost. And I, I think that the local aspect of, of journalism, I think people are starting to come around to that idea. And hopefully, hopefully, um, you're right. I still think a lot of people want it for free, but I do think that there's a, a growing sense as it relates to, to local journalism that, you know, it, it we, we can't do it for free. We can't, we can't cover the government. We can't cover the schools. We can't cover the courts. We can't cover your teams free. I mean, it doesn't work that way. So hopefully there's a, there's an understanding that there's a, a, a service there that, that we're providing and that people think it's worth paying for. Yeah. I mean, we live in the world of sports, but, uh, you know, even we have to admit the survival of a news entity, whether it's digital or print that covers government covers important stuff, much more important than the outcome of a basketball or football game is right. just so important for our society. But I envision the day when the traditional newsroom of that we all, I, I still miss a newsroom. You know, I, I always have maintained an office for my, my guys, which is kind of different in this industry. Most people just work from home and, and, uh, but I've always thought it was important to have a newsroom and a, kind of a feel where everyone can meet up. I, I envision the modern newsroom will be multimedia that it might be merged in with the TV station. You will certainly yeah. be doing audio because I think everyone's doing these podcasts now. So there will be written visual and audio products all coming out of that same newsroom because you got to kind of cover all your bases. And I don't know, it's, it's going to be an uncomfortable situation for a lot of people. I always chuckle when I see, well, one of my uh, contemporaries who's been just writing has had the pleasure and, and ability just to focus on writing still to this day, now being forced to do podcasts and video and the, the awkward nature of that always makes me chuckle. But it, it's coming. And I, I, I tell young journalists, kids, I go, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, I want to do radio. Or she says, I want to, I want to write. I want to cover government. And I go, well, you, you're not going to get to do that. You're going to have to, if you want to go into TV, you better be able to write. Because they have, yeah. all of them are writing for websites now. Uh, you, you better be able to be a multimedia diverse person or you're just you're not going to have a job because we're in modern news rooms, modern news collecting entities. You're going to have to do it all. You're going to have to be mm -hmm. on camera. You're going to have to talk. You're going to have to write. Uh, and for me, uh, maybe I'm biased. The base to all that is writing. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter if you're reading it. Uh, on camera or on a podcast, if you're reading good, well-written content, it's more compelling than, and it's all about your ability to write. So I think, uh, folks like you will, will survive. I think you'll be fine. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's amazing how fast things have changed in our industry. And, and, um, I, I'm afraid this situation in which we now live might accelerate some of that. As uh, I've seen some entities take this as an opportunity to lay people off and and probably it's not a temporary layoff. They've just used this as, as the vehicle to say, well, you're cut, you're cut, you're cut. And no, we're not bringing you back after times get better. That's yeah. an unfortunate reality right now. No, I think you're right. And it is going to be it is going to be interesting to see. What happens in the aftermath of of, uh, of this time? I, you know, I don't. I know. I saw some people comment just on you know whether it was layoffs or furloughs or whatever in the media world. I saw the comment about you know subscribing and absolutely local local news needs subscriptions needs people to buy into, you know, helping us provide the content that people feel like they need right now. But you know, the the, the big thing that is hampering um, journalists right now, even as, you know, even if subscriptions are moving either positively or on, you know, not, not declining a ton, you know, advertisers, everybody's taking a hit right now. I mean, yeah. you think about the advertising that's out there and that, that is as much, I think that, you know, a lot of times the community support, there is a decent amount of community support. And even at that, if you're in a situation that we are right now where, you know, advertisers.
franchisers just can't can't see advertising because they're not open or they're not functioning at the same level. You know, you just that's that's huge. So I think that those models that have existed for a long time with advertising being such a huge part of what's done in local journalism, you know, I think that's really affecting things and and what that looks like on the flip side is I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what that's going to be if it's if it, if there's going to be less dependency on that, or if it's going to fell some places, or you know, if, if some places are able to continue sort of return to what they were doing previously. I, I, again, if I had the answers, I probably um, would be in a you know in a Zoom meeting right now talking about <laughs> how to fix all this. But um, pretty clearly, I think that everybody's trying to figure out. You know, the new normal seems to change so so frequently with this situation that um it's a little bit head spinning right now it really is well there's a few things in the world i enjoy talking about uh more than this uh the newsroom thing that whole industry uh if you'd like to do a half hour on fonts i could do that too because i'm a font nerd uh but nobody wants to listen to that maybe i could start a, a font podcast where you know we just make fun of fonts and talk about really fun fonts and we have a very narrow but loyal listenership and, yeah right <laughs> and, and talking about visual things like a font on a podcast seems like Difficult. an ineffective way to do it but, Very difficult. <laughs> well, it's been good catching up with you. Um, I Thanks, hope Tim. all is well down in Oklahoma City. Do you live in Oklahoma City? I am, I am actually an Oklahoma City proper resident. So uh, I'm not a proper resident probably in most <laughs> people's minds, but I live in Oklahoma City proper. How about that? Yeah. Well, let's hope you can overcome uh, coronavirus and bird attacks. It's, yeah. whole, it's, it's a whole other level <laughs> of problems. <laughs> People just don't know what I have to go through on a regular basis. It's really difficult to express, you know, the the fear that uh, that, that duck inspires. But uh, just scream yeah. at the duck. I'm trying to cover sports, and I'm sure it'll understand. Right, right. I mean, it has to know. I mean, right. It, yeah. It's uh, there's there's way there's so many of its friends in sports. You got the Eagles. You got the Falcons. I mean, right. They're all in this together. Right. I like it. I like it. I <laughs> uh, love you, my friend. Take care of yourself. Uh, right. Hug the kid and husband, and uh, yeah. we'll get through this all together. I can't wait to see you in Manhattan very soon. I know. I know. I wish right. I went on the road more nowadays, but uh, pretty much just covering home games and letting my younger guys go out and do the hard stuff like travel. It's so challenging. It ma- but it makes it a treat to see you. That that makes Manhattan yeah. even better. That's true. Bring me Whataburger, and I'll love you even more. <laughs> Deal. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. Bye, Tim. Jenny is simply awesome. She's one of those people who can improve your day with a hello. It's too bad waterfowl don't seem to understand that she's actually very kind. She always asks me how I'm feeling because she genuinely cares. And men over 45, I care about you. Get your darn PSA scored and don't let prostate cancer beat you to the punch like it did with me. Take care, everyone. I will talk to you real soon.